This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, Dr. Vic here, and this is the Mindful Experiment you're listening to. This episode is really a, a fun one for me as I had the opportunity to share and uh, interview a shaman, a practitioner, someone who I have known for years. And the work he's done for me just personally has been absolutely amazing. And to gotten to know him over the years and the many, many dialogues that we have has been unreal. So um, just a great human being, a great individual who just does amazing work. So Steve Krejcik is just an awesome dude that I have known, and uh, he's just amazing. You know, Steve, he started his personal journey within in 1972. 
when he had a near-death experience, which he talks about in the episode, that in 1982, he started teaching classes on healing and lecturing. And he studied many different healing and personal growth modalities with many different teachers, including Shakti Gawain, Serge King, Sun Bear, Billy Topa, Tap Tati, Shirley Dunlap Hall, and Alberto Villalodo. He's a, Steve's a minister, he's a board member, a speaker, and a teacher at the Center of Personal Transformation and Consciousness, known as the CopticCenter.org in Grand Rapids. He's a graduate of the Healing, the Light Body School with Alberto Villalobo-Lodo at the Four Winds. He teaches, speaks, and performs shaman, shaman energy healings at large conferences around the Midwest, including the Coptic Fellowship Southern Conference in Tennessee, the Great Lakes Retreat, and Yoga Fest in Michigan. Steve is the founder of Gray Wolf Healing Therapies. He's helped thousands of people clear emotional measures, uh, emotional energetic blocks using the techniques of the Quero Shamans of Peru. Um, he's published numerous articles on self-improvement and spiritual growth. And he believes the highest goal in life is to know yourself and that we can measure our spiritual progress by the level of inner peace, joy, and love that we feel and experience. Um, in this interview, we go into a lot of great stuff like this. We talk about his near-death experience, what it did for his life, and then we talk about how you can help break through some emotional blockages, how to be aware of them, and so much more. I don't want to take any more thunder away from this amazing man. So with no further ado, Steve Kreshek. So Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Vic. You know, it was hard getting you here, my friend. I mean, this whole timeless thing that you're in this, you know, present time consciousness, this timeless thing, we got to work on it because it was a lot of work for me to get you here, but I am excited to have you on. So we got a lot to chat about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Certainly. So, I, thought, I thought a great question to start out would be, is just the difference between, you know, what, and we'll get into your story of how you became a shaman practitioner and so forth. But, you know, the word shaman's coming up more and more. I hear people bring it up to me like, oh, shaman. Or if I do my podcast, I bring, I'll talk about, I see a shaman. Um, and people ask, ooh, what's a shaman? Never heard of that. Or uh, I know what shamans are. They're this, this, and this. What's the difference between a shaman and a shaman practitioner? Well, a, a shaman is a, a person that was born into it. They're um, like you might see a shaman in the in the mountains of Peru. You might find shamans there that dress in their beautifully colored ponchos and and all that. Whereas a shaman practitioner would be like a a normal uh, a person like you or I that that practice the techniques and that have learned from these these great shamans. You know, so we to, to call myself a shaman would be a little bit uh, conceited. I'm I'm more of a just a regular guy that practices these techniques to help people with their lives and for my own personal growth too. I love the humbleness of you. That's one thing I've always greatly appreciated over the years uh, of knowing you and so forth. It's, it's, that's pretty cool. And it's a good uh, uh, difference between the two. And I'm going to even, I know you're, we were talking a bit ago and I, I know I need to say I have a shaman practitioner. Uh, I still see you as a shaman. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, but anywho, um, so what got you into that? Like what, what was your experience? What story kind of pulled you into be doing this type of work? Well, when I was um, when I was twelve, I had a uh, near death experience, and it was just so amazing to be able to experience my existence without the uh, without all of the drag and the emotion of the body. 
uh, to be able to be free with that and yet to still be conscious. It was just so amazing. And I was just like, wow, I have to get more of this. This is really cool. And so from that, um, you know, from that, I, I, I started, you know, of course, when you're in your, when you're 12 or 13 and you try to talk to somebody about this stuff, especially back in, in those days of the early seventies, um, you know, people were like, yeah, right. Go away, kid. You bother me, you know? And, and so I really couldn't, I really couldn't get anybody to support me. So I went and bought the, the there was a popular book on transcendental meditation and at the age of 12, I started to read that and I was just thinking, I have not a clue what these guys are talking about in this book. So, <laughs> so from there I went, you know, That's it really was. And, and my book for 12. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a heavy book for any age, I think. <laughs> but you really, you know, with, with something like that, you really need somebody to show you, you know, because that's more of, you know, meditation is not an intellectual ex exercise. It's something that where you go beyond the intellect. So it's really hard to read a book and get something, you know, out of that. So my next step was I went to the library and I started taking books out on hypnosis and things. And that was something I could do with self-hypnosis and and the like. So I started playing with self-hypnosis and it was just amazing what, what you could do with that. You know, like as I got into high school and you're standing by the bus stop when it's 40 below zero out uh, for a half hour. And I was able to, you know, just warm up my hands so that I wasn't freezing or whatever. And you could just change your, you could, there's so many things you can do. You can change your heart rate. You can change your temperature in your body. Um, you can, uh, you can just do so many things like one day I told myself, okay, I'm going to go to school today and I'm not going to speak unless spoken to. And um, sure enough, it was just as natural as could be. I was just a quiet person and people were coming up to me and saying, what's wrong with you, Steve? Are you sick? You're not saying anything. You always have an opinion, hmm. you know, and uh, and so then the next day I programmed myself and I said to them, I'm going to be Mr. Chatelot, you know, and. And so then I went to school and people were like, would you shut up already? You can't stop talking. And, but the interesting thing was there was no conscious effort on my part. It was just a very natural thing. And from the, from these experiences, I learned that personality is fluid. You know, and I think that's a really important and really important thing when we think about our personal growth, that we, you know, that we remember that, that, you know, just because you've always been this way, that doesn't mean it's like a rock that can't be changed. You know, you've always been this way because your mind perpetuates those thoughts and those patterns in your life. But you can change yourself at any time in your life and be whatever you want to be and whoever you want to be just by by changing your your center and changing your energy and learning a new way to, to be. So it was a very fun experience, a very fun growing experience. Plus, when you're 12, you know, you don't have a clue about, you don't have any fears about what you're going to do or the consequences. So it was fun to be just kind of a, a reckless teenager experimenting with all this, these mind things, um, mind altering experiences without the drugs and just uh, having fun with all of that. Very cool. So that was there something, was there like, uh, as you were doing this, the books and the reading and t t experimenting with all that, was there a specific like book? Was there something that pulled you in? Cause I know you did some Peruvian stuff, right? It was a Peruvian style, style learning, uh, shaman, um, techniques and stuff. Was that the beginning? Yes. Uh -huh. 
Is there yeah. any, was how did you end up going that route? What got you there? Well, you know, so uh, you know, I spent I spent my life doing studying various forms of uh, healing modalities. You know, Reiki. Uh, I've studied with a variety of different Native Americans and and shamans and. And, um, and it was all good, but it didn't, you know, it was good for personal growth. It was good for that, but I never really hit anything until, uh, this one, uh, shaman practitioner came in from Los Angeles and she was doing sessions in the Chicago area. So my sister invited me to to have a session with her and I, and I went, um, you know, just kind of thinking, well, okay, here's another one, you know, and in one session I had more healing than all of the other sessions and healing experiences I had in my entire life in one session. And it was just so amazing. Um, I was like, boy, I, I've, I've come home. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> so that 12 year old experience, right? The, was it, was it like that? Was it like the near death experience you had at 12? Well, you know, it, it wasn't quite like that, but what it did, it, it cleared out so much emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because as we go through life, of course, um, there's always things building up inside of you, right? And there's all these experiences that we build and we misunderstand, which which ultimately cause us stress and tension internally. And so, you know, in that process, it was, though, it brought me a step closer to that near-death experience, that that, ex- that feeling of peace and, and joy within and, uh, you know, so from that point, I was, I was like, boy, I just, I, how do I learn this stuff? Because I really want to go, go at this more. So oh. that, that was uh, like just an amazing experience for me. That's awesome. And so you, you mentioned the, the, and I know you do sessions and so forth. I get sessions done by you. Um, is it, is there, what's the basic of a session? What does it look like? What are you doing? What's the process? The whole nine yards. Okay, well, let me uh, let me back up a little and just talk about some basics. Um, okay. You know, and this this is something that um, it's it's so basic, but I I think I just need to say it. You know, and most people will already know this, but you know, we have a body, and then we have a mind, and uh, in the in the particular training that I'm in, the mind and the emotion are the same, and then we have a, a luminous energy field around us, which maybe the you know the Christians call a soul or or others might call it an aura or whatever. And mm-hmm. so all three of these parts are tightly integrated. You know, they're, they're certainly not separate and they all affect each other. So that which animates us, whatever we want to call it, God, the universe, the divine center, uh, whatever, it flows down and it flows into our luminous energy field. And from there, it then flows into our uh you know, mental and emotional body. And then from there, it flows into our physical body. So when we have trauma in our lives, uh, there, there's a block, um, that a block that can form in one, some aspect of your, your being, whether it be the physical body or the emotional body or the energetic body. So typically the, you know, the block might come in form of the energetic body. And so this emotional block that is caused from some trauma, an emotional trauma, a physical trauma, uh, will will block that energy flow. And and so now the energy can't flow 
through to our emotional body or our physical body. And it ultimately causes, you know, what is emotional sickness or physical sickness. Okay. And so let's suppose, and, and this energy as it's flowing into our bodies, it flows through, you know, what are called chakras or energy centers. And interestingly, this, you know, the shaman discipline does have chakras. And, um, and so, and as it flows through these chakras, it's going to have a feeling to you. So in other words, if your heart chakra is, is flowing, you could be starving in the desert all by yourself and feel fully loved and embraced by the world. If you're, you know, if that energy is flowing freely through your heart chakra, if that energy is blocked flowing into your heart chakra, you could be in the room of your dearest friends and family and you would feel alone, you know, because that energy is blocked there because maybe somewhere in your life you had an experience uh, related to the heart that caused you to block it to say, you know, I either I don't deserve to be loved or I don't deserve to be, you know, with other people or I'm really angry at this person. So I'm never going to love again. You know, and we make these contracts with ourselves and these, these develop in the form of an energetic block in our luminous energy field, which then blocks the energy from flowing into that part of our body. And it causes emotional distress and also, uh, it can cause physical illness also, you know, and I personally believe that, you know, nearly a hundred percent of physical illness is caused by one of these, these other blocks. But now there's a catch to all this, right? Because these blocks, um, you know, they're happening at the energetic level. So this is beyond the thinking mind. So if you go to someone who's like laying on their deathbed with some disease and say, oh, it's all in your mind, don't worry about it, you know, they're going to throw something at you, and rightfully so, because if if you're in your mind, you can't sense these blocks because it's beyond the mind. It's at that place of timelessness where we go when we step out of time where we can heal and change these energetic blocks. And so... To kind of to bring that around your question, this is what we work on when we when when we work on someone is we step out of time, out of that, out of the world of time in the mind, and we step into that energetic field and we clear the energetic blocks, and and in doing that, the energy is now allowed to flow into the person through the emotion, and and we show the per, the, the client or the person who's having the session a new way to feel, a new way to be, because, you know, I mentioned earlier, personality is fluid and it can change, but because we've lived this way all our lives, we don't have another way to live. We don't understand another way to experience the world. So a good way to tell if your energy is flowing or not is, do you have any stress in your life? Do you have any anxiety in your life? Are you angry or frustrated with anyone in your life? Um, are you in fear of your life? Are you lacking in any way in your life? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you do have energetic blocks and that can be worked on and be cleared. That's pretty cool. I mean, and it's, so it's, it's the emotions play a role with it all in a sense. And that's your, I would say like, you know, quote unquote negative emotions or lower vibration emotions. 
it mm-hmm. let you know if you have a block and so forth? Yes, exactly. And so that's how you can tell where to look. So in the world of the shamans, there are no others. In other words, if if someone makes you angry, the normal person might say, that person made me angry. Yeah. Whereas in the world of the shaman, you don't say that. You say, why am I becoming angry when this other person acts this way? So in other words, you see how you turn the, you turn the question around? And in turning the question around, you're taking back your power. Because if you say, that person made me angry, you're giving your power to that person. And there's no way you're ever going to heal with that type of attitude because that, pers- that person's always going to be there. Or if you get rid of that person, they'll just be replaced by another one that will make you feel the same way. And that, and that will continue on until you can take back your power and say, why am I becoming angry when I come into this situation? Or why am I always attracting an abusive uh, partner? Or why am I always attracting an emotionally unavailable partner or something like that? Because when we turn it around, now it's inside of us. And, and that's the only thing we can ever change in our lives is our own perception and our own reaction to these situa- situations. And that, and that, I love when you say that because it's all about, you know, again, owning self-responsibility, taking, you know, why, like Deepak Chopra once said, I remember when I was reading one of his books back in the day, and he would always just talk about, you know, you're, you're creating that experience. You're creating that emotion to have that emotion um, instead of, you know, like, cause you know, said there's no other. So does that mean also the shamans that are we like all one? Is it like we there, you know, what I see in you is really seeing within me and everybody's just a mirror. Yes, it, it, it really is that way. And, um, you know, and that's one of the ways like I've done throughout my life when, you know, because you come to a point in your life and I would come to these points many times in my life where I'm like, I know I want to work on something and I know I have stuff, but I don't know what to work on. I don't know where to start or where to begin. And so what I would do is I would say, OK, let me look around me and see what type of person am I attracting to myself in terms of my relationships or do I have enough money to eat and, and buy the things that I want? Or am I happy with my home? Or am I happy with my family? You know, what is my relationship with my parents? And if any of these questions are anything other than absolute joy, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned there. And, and bringing it back inside, you're taking back your power. And where that's when the, the changing begins, because that's when you see it. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle... Um, says that being aware of the problem is 90 some percent of the healing. In other words, once you're aware you even have a problem, then that's the major majority of the healing. And when you think about it, when you look at someone like those people that get you aggravated, right? (laughs) When you look at them, they don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. In most cases, they're like, this is just the way I am. And if you don't like it, get lost. Yeah. And and, you know, so when they and, and them in their own journey and not like we have any influence on it, it's up for, to them to figure it out in their own time. But when they do realize to say, why do I get this reaction from people when they can finally say that and look at themselves 
that's when they can take back their power and make and change their life just like like you or I. I love that. And it's 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 just a, another level of awareness, right? You're just becoming more aware and and, and you're or you're just taking time to be aware, I should say. Um <laughs> with that. Now you brought something up and I want to ask because, you know, obviously you and I, we discuss, we go into some deep talks and next thing you know, it's like four hours later and we're like, oh yeah, we have things to do. <laughs> yeah. I remember you and I talking about, I, I believe we were talking about this last time. It was about, you brought up relationships and it clicked in my head. Um, I think we said something about, it was the, the level of your spiritual awakening or the level of knowing you're changing spiritually is by the person you have with you or to change a person you have with you, a spouse, partner, whatever it may be. Um, I know it was something along those lines you and I were talking about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that would be to the measure um, of your your growth in terms of relationships is measured by the type of person that you are attracted to. That's it. So in other words, if you're attracted to a person that can never be faithful to you, um, you know, maybe you want a nice monogamous relationship and, and you always end up ending up, you know, dating people who just can't be in a monogamous relationship and you always find them, they're off with someone else after, you know, you're thinking they're the love of your life and whatever, you know, then you, then you need to look at yourself and say, why am I attracted to these people? And that's when the healing can really start to begin. And, you know, let me just mention this. Um, this is not a judgment, right? This is an object, objective view. So this is not condemning yourself, like saying, oh, I'm such an idiot because I keep on attracted. You keep on attracting these people. This is an objective point of view to say, you know, to just look at yourself objectively and and address and look at the issue and see why, you know, and to move into why is it there? Because, you know, it can also be detrimental if you get down on yourself, um, you know, to, to say, well, I'm such an idiot because I did it again. I attracted another alcoholic into my life or I attracted another this or another that into my life. And so... Uh, so that's just a, a good judge of how you're doing with relationships. And, you know, so through my life uh, with my my personal intimate relationships, after each relationship, I would try to take, um, you know, several months um, to evaluate that relationship, you know, and and when I say when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm not talking about at an intellectual level, even though there's an aspect of that. You know, for the intellectual side, you could learn, you could read books. You know, there's all so many books on relationships, and that's great at the intellectual, but you need to get into the energetic, you know, get into those energetic blocks and find out why, you know. And and the way you can tell when you're in that energetic spot or when you get an energetic, um, when you when you reach that energetic point is because it's not a a learning where you read a book you know why uh, men are from Mars or whatever or another book on relationships it's when you get that aha moment and and the light bulb just goes off in your head and you go oh I get it now and that's when it happens you know that we we're so busy filling our heads with uh, with knowledge. You know, so the shamans say knowledge is knowing that water is H2O. You know, 
uh, made up of hydrogen and oxygen atoms. Wisdom is when you know how to make it rain. <laughs> uh, I love that one. It's so true, though. Because um, like nowadays, if, if intelligence and knowledge was the game, I mean, if that was the key to everything, uh, we would have extreme enlightened beings in this world right now. Um, I, I know in the business world, I'm, I, I, I fell under the trap of reading 60 to 80 books a year, listening to podcasts daily, videos, and just like consuming, which I'm not saying, I'm not against it. I'm not judging if people do that. If, that, if you feel that's right for you, do it. But I'm just saying for my world, it drove me nuts. Yeah, I gained a lot of information, but the applicable app, the experiences and applying it and, 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 and really getting those aha moments as you explain. Yeah, they were far and few. Uh, but now I get more wisdom now. I read way less than I used to. And it's so cool how I'm doing less but getting more. Right, exactly. And so, you know, the workshops are fun. And they're great to go to and you feel rah, rah, rah. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I used to go to this this meditation out in Downers Grove. And um, and it was a beautiful meditation. There was 40 people there. I mean, you just reached such beautiful highs after the meditation. Everybody's hugging and sharing and having tea and cookies. And it was beautiful. And then you get out to the parking lot and it's like, it's like a rat race, like almost road rage, people trying to beat each other out of the parking lot. It was just kind of funny that, you know, that the the dichotomy there of that, that, well, wait a minute, you know, you're in this beautiful state and now you get in your car and suddenly you're back, you're back in the world again. And, you know, and that's almost as like a, uh, like a workshop junkie, you know, you feel great after the workshop or another example is say you go, you know, you spend all your money to save up, you go to Hawaii for a nice vacation for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, you are in total bliss. And you come back and you get go to work on Monday and Tuesday, you know, maybe you start getting a little stressed. Wednesday, you're stressed. By Thursday, you don't even know you had a vacation. You know, you're just back in the rat race again. Yeah. And and that's, you know, that's where where the change is not permanent. That's where, that's another way how you can tell to say, well, you know, there's something, there's something more there for me to learn. And, you know, that's where these the sessions uh, are really good because when we when we clear those emotional blocks, they're cleared for good. And the neat thing about it is, is that not only when you step out of time to clear a problem, not only do you clear it from now into the future, you clear it where it never happened in your life. And I don't mean you don't remember it. You know, you might still remember it, but it won't have that emotional charge that controls you and and draws you in every time, you know, like, um, you know, like when I was a kid, we, you know, we had a swimming pool and one of my sisters used to like to hold me under the water until the bubbles stopped coming up. You know, and she thought that was really funny. <laughs> that explains a few things now. <laughs> <laughs> until my, another sister says to me, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Another sister says to me, Steve, you idiot, just stop blowing bubbles when you're only halfway gone with your air. <laughs> and then you'll have plenty of air. She'll let you up. You won't even be stressed. And I'm like, oh, great idea. So I did that. But, you know, so, <laughs> so for me, I still love water. I live on a lake. I, I spend my summers in the water all the time, and I love it. Um, you know, I can jump in the middle of the lake, and the boat can go away, and I don't care because I, I love the water so much. 
However, another person might take that experience and never ever go in water. I've known people that won't go in water over where they can't see the bottom or, or water that's over their ankles or over their knees and they're terrified of water. You know, so when when you when you go and you heal that block, what you what happens is, you know, the next time you go into water, you might say to yourself, but because it's all been healed, you say, yeah, I remember these experiences as a child, but I'm walking in the water and I'm not afraid anymore. You know, and then you think to yourself, wait a minute, didn't I used to be afraid of water? I thought I was, but I can't really remember ever being afraid or why I would have been afraid because everything gets healed from from that moment on. And so these these experiences that we have in our lives are um they're just like washed away, you know, like the that emotional charge which controls you is just washed away. And it it's such a beautiful feeling. And so maybe just to touch a little bit more, you know, and so, you know, this is all great talking about it, but you know, people that are listening to this podcast are gonna say, Well that's great for you, you're the shaman practitioner, but what about me? You know, I'm trying to change things, you know, like I love Louise Hayes, you know, because she talks about the body mind theory and she associates emotions to a certain part of the body. And I found her to be very accurate. And then she has these wonderful sayings that if you have a problem with your liver, say this and your liver will be healed. Right. And, and I've had very mixed success with affirmations mm-hmm. and the reason I believe that is, is because the affirmation is not vibrating at the frequency of your block in your luminous body. You know, so so for some people, they'll read that affirmation and they will be, their body will transform in a minute. For another person, they'll read that affirmation and nothing, you know, and I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but that's, that's been my experience with affirmations. Oh, yeah. And, and so... You know, in working with a client, when we enter into that energetic mode, um, we work on developing an affirmation that will vibrate with for that person. You know, so maybe you say, you know, um, I'm attracting money. Maybe the affirmation, you know, from a book says I'm attracting money into my life. But for you, by just by changing a few words, by saying, um into my life, money will flow. Now that may vibrate with your with your energy field. And so if you say that affirmation, you'll have amazing results in your life because that will connect from the physical into the that energetic world and and will shift that energy. Because without shifting the energy, uh you're you're just you're just the other two you you know, everything has to be healed in threes. You have to heal the you know at the physical you have to heal at the emotional and mental, and you have to heal at the energetic to, to make the healing complete. And so many disciplines in our world today only work at one level, like a, a medical doctor, and I'm in full support of medical doctors. You know, they, they serve a very good purpose. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for medical doctors. You know, so it's not that I'm against the medical profession, but they do have a tendency to only look at the physical aspect of things. And they completely ignore the psych- the psychology of it, and then they they really completely ignore the spirituality of it all, you know. And then you go to a psychologist uh, um, or a psychiatrist, 
Well, the psychiatrist will be a little bit more physical, but the psychologist will work on your psychological aspect of your life and not really look so much at the physical. You know, they're not going to tell you to change your diet or to do something like that. You know, and then you look at the, the ministers and the priests, and they're going to look at the spiritual aspect. And they're going to say, do this and pray and, and all that. And again, you're only looking at one aspect. The shaman practitioner will look at all three aspects. So they'll, you know, they'll work on the energetic. They'll give you exercises to say, do these exercises to, to shift your emotions and then do this to, for your physical. Maybe it's a diet change. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's walking out in nature. And so that you're addressing the issue from all three aspects to really to really anchor those changes in so that we don't just slide back into the old routine. I love it. No, and it's 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 so true on so many levels. I mean, you have to come from a complete level. I mean, a vitalistic approach and making sure that you're coming at all levels in order to make real change. Uh, I think that's why some people, uh, I had a friend that was getting very frustrated because um, she had cancer and she she healed it on her own, um, going through holistic measures uh, through juicing and chiropractic and, you know, the whole onslaught of uh, holistic therapies. And and then she had a friend who ended up getting cancer and she told her the exact same stuff, told her to do what she did, and she passed away. And it frustrates her because, and I'm not getting into like spiritual contracts and stuff like that because, you know, sometimes that, that, that always plays a role. But at the same token, though, I was like, uh, there might have been some missing elements. There maybe it was different layers that weren't being touched spiritually because, you know, you did the, they did the mental and they did the physical for sure, but they didn't go into the spiritual aspects of things and really connect at that level. Right. And, and even in that aspect, you have to be aware that, because, you know, passing away in so many ways is not, I mean, from the human standpoint, yes, it's, it's very sad because we grow attached to these folks. But, you know, from the personal level, that could be a graduation. It could be like you're, you're, you're done here. You've learned what you needed to, and it's time to move on to other things that are far greater. And, you know, like I said, from my near-death experiences, you know, maybe it was a, a hallucination, maybe it was something else, but I'll tell you, if that's what death is, it's pretty nice. You know, um, you just kind of let go of all those attachments and you just kind of go free and it's a beautiful experience. So if someone passes, um, it's not necessarily, um, not necessarily a bad thing and it's not necessarily that you did anything wrong. You know, sometimes it's just our times, like you were saying, like with the contracts and stuff like that. You know, yeah, um, and it, and it, and they always said you and I've talked about this too. It's like one of those things. If it's in contract, it's in contract. You know, it's one of those things that you chose to do, and free will plays a role on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Another thing you mentioned that I like because I actually teach a lot of this is you know you talk about affirmations. How you know for me, same thing. It sometimes works, sometimes didn't work, and I'm not a guy that likes fifty percent. I like uh, as hundred percent as I can get to. And it was interesting because that's when I started to tune into emotions when I said the affirmations, creating my own affirmations um, or taking someone's and then twisting it to what it felt really good inside. And when I had that good feeling and that empowerment feeling in that, um, sometimes I just learned how to explain it with words, but it's, uh, it's hard because the language is so limited, but it's that feeling. And I'd be like, that's the affirmation I need. And then boom, all of a sudden, things just shift within a week. And I'm like, what the heck? How's this? This is so cool. I mean, first I want to, I want to say why, but then I'm fighting it. So like, this is just so cool. 
So, well, you know, let me address that. Yeah, because that's a really good point that I'd love to bring up. Um, you know, I, I you don't hear it as too often, but somewhere many, many years ago, uh, it was an author by the name of Othiel. And in one of his books, he said, God is on the other side of your emotion. And that is just such a powerful statement. And and that's why it's so important to, to be in touch with your emotions and, and to move into them. And, and, you know, and I know it's hard when, you know, touching an emotion is like sticking your finger in a light socket. Um, but, you know, when you think about that, what, what happened for you is when you get into the feeling there's, you have your thinking mind, your feeling, your body, you know, your body, you first you have your body, your thinking mind, your feelings, and then your spiritual side, your luminous body. And so when you do get into the feeling, you're, you're, you're getting into the, um, you're getting in touch with the energetic side. And, and that's where you, that's where the real work can be done. You know, like in, in the shaman uh, world, one of the things that I think is a, a tremendous exercise for anyone, and I'd recommend this for anyone listening to this, if there's someone that you have an emotional charge with, the person uh, that you have an emotional charge with, write a letter to that person as if as if you're going to give it to them. And of course, you don't want to give it to them, but write freely and do this with a pen because using your hand and writing a pen on a piece of paper uses uh quite a bit more of your facilities and things rather than typing and write everything about it. You hate them. They're an SOB. You love them. You you're crying, whatever. And in doing that, you're connecting those emotions and that energetic ceiling into those words on the paper. And to me, it almost looks like there's little wires connected from in your energetic body into those words. And then you take that piece of paper when you're done and you take it and you burn it in ceremony. You get into that place of energetic, that place of peace, and you say, you know, I'm giving these emotions to you, Pachimama, you know, Mother Earth, I'm giving these to you. Um, and then you burn that paper in ceremony, and as you see that smoke coming up, you know, like for me, what I see is I, like there's those, those wires that connect it to my energetic body are like little fuses. And then the fire burning, it lights those fuses, and they... They burn up into your energetic body, and it just it just evaporates the emotional block. And um, it's it's such a great exercise for people to do, and and then and then move on your day. And you and sometimes you might have to write that a letter one time, and then you're done. Another time you might have to write a letter ten times if there's a lot of emotional charge with the person. But if you do that, it's a great way to get in touch with in, with that energetic or spiritual world and, and to let it go. And, you know, something else on that note, uh, when we, when we're talking about the Pachimama, Pachimama is the name for mother earth, you know, sacred mother. And when we look at the earth, the earth is there to take our waste and, and convert it back into life. She takes our, our old air as we breathe it out, our old stale air, and she converts that into fresh new oxygen through the trees. You know, when we die, we lay down in the earth and she converts our body into food for, for the plants and the other animals and things like that. You know, there's this beautiful cycle of nature. And I mean, not that, and we way overdo this, but we, even when we put our garbage in the earth, 
she's she starts bulging that garbage into into life again, like as we might in a compost bin, and that gets converted into deep, rich soil for which we can grow plants and things. And and so likewise, we want to give her our emotions. You know, so uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, why would I do that? I don't want to give her my emotions. That's not respectful to the to the mother earth. And yet, think about if you're riding your bike as a little kid, you're learning to ride and you hit a bump and you fall over and scrape your knee and you're sitting there crying and your mother comes up and she picks you up and kisses the knee and she takes the pain away and you just stop crying. Now, she has taken that pain away from you and yet did that make take it, did that cost her anything? Did it take anything away from her? No, it didn't. It in fact it increased your bond between the two. You know, and, and it makes a stronger mother-child bond or the father-child bond. I'm not, we don't need to be specific here. And so, likewise, when we make that bond with the Mother Earth and we say, you know, Mother Earth, this is my emotional pain. And I'm going to blow this out into this pile of dirt or this stick. And I'm going to give this to you as a sacred gift that you can mulch this back into life. And in doing this, we release that to her as we're released, like, like we might with our mother, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt her. She loves it, and she lovingly accepts it, and she starts to mulch that those energies back into life again. And so that's just another way that we can we can you know um, release ourselves of these emotions that you know they're horrible to us and. And they're they're just bad when we get into them, and we look at these emotions and say, "I'm such a bad person for having these emotions." But really, really, it's okay to do this, and and the Pachimama wants us to to do that because she wants us to be joy, and she wants us to live in peace and balance with her, and and we don't do that because we don't connect with her at so in so many ways. So it's just such a beautiful experience to do that. I love that. And I always loved how you say Pachimama. You know, when I first heard that yeah. term, I was like, that's the way I'm saying Mother Earth from here on out. That is the coolest way I've ever heard it. Um, you bring up a lot of great points. And I've had people do, because <clears throat> at one point I've told people before, um, uh, and I've, I've learned this over 10 years ago, like, write a letter, put your energy, you know, put your energy into it, burn it, see all the whole ceremony, make it a ceremony. And then I had someone say, well, that doesn't work. It's very superficial. And I looked and I was like, well, hold on a minute. If you tap into that energy field, if you tap into those emotions, and then it's a ceremony. That's what I told them. Like, you didn't do it as a ceremony, probably. You, have to, you were too mental on it. Because when you, and I love how you explained it all fully, like, it comes to that point where you you have to see it letting go, see in the burn, and, and let it, give it to the universe, give it to the moon. Like, I've heard sometimes the new moon or the the, the full moon is better. Um, you're giving, but I'm always like, it, uh, to me, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter either way. But there is some some astrology people would argue that on me. Um, but it's one of those things where you're giving it back to Earth. You don't have to hold on to these things, and that's what I love the most. And I right. love love the example how you said, yeah, it turns things from one to the other. It, it it will take whatever bad and it turns it back into good. Anything old turns it back to new. And it sounds when you're saying that it's such a deep universal principle, and it, of course, universal principles align with nature principles. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, let's just touch on that ceremony uh, concept for a minute, because you're so right in that, you know, we've lost, as a culture, we've really lost ceremony. You know, you 
you know, you go to graduation. When I think about my graduation from college, you know, what did I do? I probably went out and drank a few beers before and it was just like, oh God, let's just get this over. But, you know, the the purpose of ceremony is so important. Or when we went to church being raised Catholic, um, you know, I could probably, you know, if I walked into a, ch- uh, a Catholic mass right now, I could say every single word with everybody because it's all memorized in my head. And that's when it becomes dogma. You lose the ceremony. That's not a ceremony. That's dogma. You know, and and then I see that that little old lady there next to me in in church um, doing the rosary. And she's so loving and kind. Now, she's beyond the dogma. She has found her divinity through that rosary and that mass. and, And that's a beautiful thing. Whereas, you know, for me, it didn't do it for me. I could not. I could not find it through the Catholic Church or the, or the Mass, but it's it's a really good point of of our society in that we've forgotten and we think that spirituality is going to church on Sunday so that you know so that you'll go to heaven or something, but spirituality is so much more than that. It's it's a way of life, and it's a way of getting in touch with these things. So when we do that ceremony and we let go of the mind and and we do whatever we want, you make it up. You don't have to you know, do the sign of the cross when you walk into the outside by the tree and, you know, or whatever, blah, 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 this and that, and, you know, walk around in a circle three times. It's whatever works for you to, to get you into that space of um, solemn connection. And, you know, so that is so important that we, that we get into that ceremony and we make that, we make that ceremony. And if it feels uncomfortable, it's because you're uncomfortable getting in touch with your emotions and uncomfortable getting in touch with your spirituality. And there's nothing wrong with that because today's society doesn't even acknowledge spirituality in oh so many ways. You know, science is like, well, if we can't measure it, it doesn't exist. No. You know? And and so the ceremony is so important. I love it. And again, it just comes back to connect the connection with, with the energetic side, right? Like I remember my grandmother, for her, it was just prayers. I mean, she would just sit and she just, she can pray and you can see that it just like uplifted her. And I was always like, you know, and she'll say, the, she'll do a couple of our fathers of Hail Mary, but it was just the, even it was ritualistic. It was, but it gave her a sense of purpose of a connection. Like she'll pray to certain, in the Italian Roman Catholics, we, we pray to a lot of saints. Uh, it's just what we did. And so she would be like, oh, I know a saint that can really, give us some guidance and support. And uh, I was really blessed to have that experience because it shifted my mindset a little bit to when I started understanding more of the spiritual realms and the spiritual aspects. I was like, oh, that's Saint so-and-so. And that's what my grandmother used to pray to. And I was like, oh, crap, wait a minute. They do this and this plus more. I was like, funny how that works, how there's hidden clues. That's a whole other topic to go into, but hidden clues like that. So I, uh, I commend on the definitely with the connection stuff. It's really so important. Yeah, and it's and it's not that the, the the Catholic Church is a wonderful institute. It's just there's people in it that you know are at varying levels of of spirituality, and so you know you get stuck with that <laughs> that nun that you know whacked you on the hand every time you misspelled a word. You might not like spelling too much, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you know, or you get in touch with or you had that nun that was open and really opened your mind and allowed you to do that, just like anybody. There's good people and there's, well, let's not even judge. Let's just say there's people in different places and that, you know, if, if the vibration is not to your 
vibration, you're going to, you're going to repel from that, you know? So, yeah. So it, there, there is a way, there is a path there for many, many people. And it's a good path. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And um, good stuff here. And one of the things, you know, the, just uh, the, the tie-in, because I want to come back to, you know, this, we talked about the blockages on the energetic level. We talked about um, the sessions. We talked about all that that stuff and the work and, and, and the connection. Um, is there, um, how can people recognize the, and you may have covered a little bit of this, how can people recognize some things of like the triangle, like I've heard this before, we've talked about this before, the triangle of uh, disempowerment. How do people create this, this disempowerment state? Sure. Well, let's um, let first let me talk about uh, that's that's a great lead, and um, let me just kind of digress a bit. Um, you know, when we were in the world, the world is very dichotomous. In other words, everything is in in twos or in opposites, right? So there's a north pole, a south pole. There's something, there's a judgment of good, there's a judgment of bad. Everything in the world has two sides, right? So I almost look at it like the other side of the coin. So in, um, like when I was uh, younger, you know, maybe people in the, maybe in the seventies and eighties, people would come around and knock at my door and say, donate to this cause to save the whales because this country or that country is killing the whales and they're going to destroy them all. And and but they were so angry inside at these people, uh, these other people who were who were you know killing the whales, and and so the point of that is is they are it's almost like they are on the other side of the coin. So the people are killing the whales on one side of the coin, and the people that are fighting them or these these particular the cases are on the other side of the coin. And so what I'm saying is that. It's not, now I'm not talking about whether to support a, a cause or not, because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to get lost in the story of the cause, you know, you are then no different than the, the, the perpetrator that you are, you are uh, fighting against. And, and it's very expensive to you. And it, you know, and, and so, so, a different way to look at that would be you've got, you know, you've got this side of the coin and you've got the other side of the coin and then you've got off the coin, which is like a higher point of view. So you have the good, the bad, and then what some people call a higher good. And so to step into that higher good is to say, to look at a situation and, and say, okay, I observe this situation and I choose to do something about it or I choose to allow the situation to work out on its own. It's not, oh, that blah, 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 SLB, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I'm going to, you know, I can't wait till the next election. I'm going to vote that guy out of office, you know. <laughs> not to mention anyone in particular. But <laughs> and, and, but to look at it, to step back and look at it from a higher good, from a, a place of non-engagement or non-attachment is where we can really make things happen because that's when we step into our power. And in our power, we will be so much more powerful to change the world in changing ourselves first to change the world and not get polarized into this this game with our parents, with our loved ones, with politics, with whatever. To step back and say, you know, if I want peace, let me find peace within first and be an example for others. 
Okay, so then, so that brings us over to the triangle of disempowerment. So if you find that you are on the triangle of disempowerment, you are lost in your story and you are lost in this world of dichotomy. You know, another thing, I, I like to call it like the Fred Flintstone syndrome, if you've ever watched the Flintstones. You know, their lives are all one of drama and deceit. And, you know, I'm going to pull one off on Wilma or, you know, or she's going to pull one off on him. And, and, and that is just such a great caricature of, of life, of being lost in our stories. You know, if we find ourselves doing that. So anyway, on this triangle, there's three sides. The first side of the triangle, if you ever find yourself being this, you're on the triangle of disempowerment and you're lost in your story. So the first one is the victim. So the victim, are you blaming someone else for something that happened to you? You know, oh, my darn ex-wife or my ex-husband wouldn't wouldn't give me any money and so now I'm starving and the poor kid doesn't have clothes and it's such a problem. Or like we talked about earlier, blaming someone, they make me so mad in doing that, you are the victim. And as the victim, you've given your power away to someone else. So that's one side of the triangle. The next side of the triangle is the perpetrator. So the perpetrator is the one that might be, that's, you know, that's going to be the aggressor. So, you know, so that might be, you know, the husband comes home drunk and the wife gets really mad at him and hits him over the head with a frying pan, you know, or something like that. So now she's the perpetrator. So if you find yourself being a perpetrator where you're where you're pushing your views upon another person, you know, out of anger or out of justice, so I'm I'm right and you're wrong. You can't do that. Then you're the perpetrator and you're lost in your story again. And the third side of the triangle, which is which is in the most interesting and and so many people fall into this and we don't even know it, the third side of the triangle is the savior. So the savior means I have to help this person, you know, and that's that's really a, a difficult one for so many of us because we we're like, well, I'm just trying to help, you know, and and when we play the savior and we say, well, I'm going to help this person, or you know, or we try to push our advice or our will onto another person to to help them out, then we're being the savior, and. Um, you know a story that they told that I heard in uh, in one of our shaman sessions or trainings was, for example, you know, say you're a you're a healer and you're driving down the road and you see a, a poor elderly lady walking down the road with a cane and she's crossing a bridge and it's kind of a steep bridge and she's holding on to the railing and she can barely move because her back hurts so much and you want to go and you're going to send her love and light to help her back and to help her make it across that bridge. And you're a good healer, so you do that. Well, how do you know that had she not made it across that bridge, she would have realized enlightenment. And now because you've healed her pain and she made it easily across that bridge, she's not going to be another five years of pain because of it. You know, So you've entangled your karma with hers in offering help to someone uh, or giving help to someone that didn't ask for it. You know, so in, in the shaman world, we were always trained, uh, don't help someone unless they ask. You know, you can offer it to her if you maybe want to get out of the car and say, can I help you across the bridge? You know, or could I pray for you? Would you mind if I prayed for you? And they said, yes. Then that's okay because now they've given you permission and they've asked you for help. But it's it's very important that we're not the savior and we're not trying to, to save everybody because 
we get tangled in in that same thing, you know. And um, I could give a, a quick story of my own experience when I was uh, younger, a few years back. Um, a friend of mine committed suicide, and you know, and that's just a very, very horrible thing and very difficult for the survivors. You know, the guilt and could I have done something different? And so. I was determined and I had offered this person, you know, to do sessions on them and uh, they never took me up on it. And and, uh, so I felt very guilty that I could have, I should have done more. So I decided I'm going to be, I'm going to help all these, these people with depression and, and such. And I'm going to go out and I started going to the meetings and, and listening to these other people's stories and trying to learn about it. But it was so draining to me. It was, you know, every time I read a brochure or read a book on depression and stuff, it just drained me. And it was such a difficult, it was like I was walking in quicksand. And finally, one day I realized I'm trying to be a savior. You know, so the best way I can help anybody is to be an example for them. And maybe I offer my services to them once, maybe twice, but that's it. And if they don't accept it, well, you know, thank you. I've offered and then I'm done. You know, and in doing that, life can be so much better because we don't need to save everybody. You know, now, of course, if you're a parent with small children, it's your job, you know, to kind of help them and guide them. But again, even as they get older, as they get to be adults, you know, they come to you for advice. You can counsel with them. But if not, you don't need to be their savior. You know, they have to everyone has to learn our life at our own pace, in our own way. And I know as, as a parent myself, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, uh, to see that. So, so that's a triangle of disempowerment. So, you, you know, you draw that triangle and put those three sides on and put it up on your refrigerator. You know, when you walk by or when you come into a situation, you say, am I being the victim? Am I being the perpetrator, the aggressor here? Or am I being the savior? And, uh, and if you are, Take a look at it and and just step outside of your story and, and see how you're doing that. And in looking at yourself from that other point of view, you're stepping off that dichotomous coin of good and evil, and you're stepping into the world of higher good and, and observing the situation. And, and you'll see that you, there's, you'll find from that place there's so many more choices and so many more options. The world isn't black and white anymore. And you see other ways to solve problems and other ways to help yourself and other ways to help the world. It's a beautiful, the beautiful model to, to use in life. And you explain it very beautifully. And uh, to even add to it, um, it was funny, a couple of weeks ago, Veronica came home and she's like, I learned about this triangle. And I was like, okay, what'd you learn about it? What was, what was good about it? And she was basically explaining the, 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 the triangle of uh, disempowerment. And now what's funny is if I were, you know, as, as a, as a couple, if we get in an argument or something along those lines, or I'm just, I may be complaining about something. She'd be like, honey, you're, you right now, I think that's the victim or honey, I think you're, you're, you're part of the, the <laughs> perpetrator right now. Or, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to be the savior. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't know if I like you with that triangle that much. <laughs> well, and I find if you find someone that, and tell them that they're the victim. They suddenly be they def- definitely become the perpetrator. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That is exactly true. I throw something at her after that, like literally physically. I'll just be like, I'll throw something to get her, and I'm just like, it's so funny. Uh, it's so uh, 
but yeah, but you know, and it, it's, it's just, it's a cool way to like keep yourself in check, you know, and, and just have that there. I mean, since she has known about it now, it is kind of cool that she puts me in check with it and says that. And it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, ah, shit. Okay. Yeah. I got to dang it. I was doing that again. Didn't even notice it. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's reset. Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Let me get back to rock and roll with this now. Um, and it's a good way just to keep me, you know, aware. Cause as you said, what 90 something percent of the time, just being aware of self, you know, is the, is, is part of the solving the problem. Right. It's so true. It's so true. I do want to jump on one thing before we wind down is, um, I know you love doing breath work. I love doing breath work. You and I have long, fun conversations on breath work. Um, would you like to chime in a little bit about breath work? how important it is, things to do, the importance of breath, those kind of things. Sure. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, you know, the breath is so important to life. And it's funny because when I talk to people about this, they go, I don't need breath. I know how to breathe, right? I'm alive. I'm breathing fine. But, <laughs> you know, it, for example, uh, uh Maybe a year ago or so, I found this small article in some back of some newspaper magazine. And the person who wrote this article was saying, you know, if we do research and we, we look at the, the fossils and stuff in the earth. We can determine that there's less oxygen on the planet today than there might have been 200 years ago for whatever reason. And, and this does go in cycles. It goes in cycles of more oxygen and less oxygen through the years. And, and then certainly all of our consuming of fossil fuels and things, I'm sure doesn't help that in chopping down all these trees. But this article said that because of the less oxygen, that there's more illness in the world. And I, I got to thinking that's a really interesting thought because, uh, you know, the shamans, they, they, all, they, they teach you to exercise, exercise your diaphragm, you know, to breathe. Because if you don't exercise your diaphragm, like any muscle, it atrophies. And then it doesn't really work well. And you find you're only breathing from the top or, you know, just from the top of your lungs, you know. And so to take that deep breath many times a day or to do breath work and to do breathing exercises regularly, um, you know, is just really important. And, um, you know, one of the breaths is like to, to fire breath, which is rapid breathing through your nose. And, uh, you know, like a funny story, when I, a few years back, I was in a job and I was working in a cubicle and I was really stressed out. So I started doing this rapid breathing, you know, kind of like, <laughs> and the lady in the cubicle next to me looked over at me and boy, did I get weird looks like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the act of the breathing is so important. And, you know, and Vic, you might even be able to mention more. I was just talking with my brother about, um, a guy named Hoff, who um, is is doing you know some amazing stuff with breathing, but we can get back to that. But the shamans have a, a, a fire breath, and this fire breath, it, what it does is if you do it every morning, it's very simple to do, and um, and it burns karma, and so it just makes your day go so much easier because you know as you know, uh, like we talked about, you get back from vacation that first day, you're a little stressed. And after a while, the stress just keeps on building up and your stress level is going up and up. And you don't even know what relaxation is anymore. So when, we, when you do this every day, it, it brings your stress levels down. And by doing it regularly every day, um, it's just amazing what it can do for you. 
And then there's some other exercises that um, are really good, such as alternate nostril breathing, which is, is very popular and common from the East. And then um, another breath is called the Cobra breath, which I learned from uh, Master Hamid Bey uh, from his teachings from the, the Coptic Fellowship in Grand Rapids. And um, so, it, you know, I do try to do these breath uh, breathing exercises every day, at least three times a week. <laughs> but <laughs> When I was doing them every single day, it was just amazing how beautiful and peaceful my life was, you know, because I do have a day job and it can be stressful. And and so to do these exercises for maybe 10 minutes or five minutes in the morning is really important. It's like, you know, we take the time to brush our teeth and we take the time to take a shower every day. But what about our spiritual life? What about our emotional life? How much time do we take to, to cleanse our emotions every day, to wash to wash that because think about if you didn't take a shower for a month what would build up on your body you know it's the same with your energetic self and your emotional self if you don't take the time to cleanse your emotional self out of your body to cleanse those energies um you know it just builds up and it gets ugly and stinky just like uh, like your body would if you didn't shower for a month and so it is so important to do to do breath work of of any kind you know, every every single day, just to do a few minutes. You can even do it when you're driving. You know, if you if you want to, but just to be careful when you're driving, of course, because you do have to watch the road. <laughs> no, and, it, and it's true, and I love how you bring that up because you know, breath work is uh, you know, in, in in Hindu cultures, they call it the prana, life. You know, and uh, uh, one of the cool things is I started to practice just a little bit uh, as we're doing as this recording. As I, I went back to alternative nose breathing just for fun. Um, I was doing, I'm getting into Kundalini yoga again and then they do that in some of their practices. And I was just like, Oh, interesting. Breathe in this way. This does this breathe in on the other side. It does that. And I was like, cool. This is going to be fun to play around with this. But as at, at the end of the day, the important thing is just to do some sort of breath work that works for you. Um, and, right. and go ahead. I'm sorry. And yeah, you could go on to YouTube and just do search breath work or, you know, I've I've put together some uh, really good breathing exercises uh, that I find are just absolutely outstanding. And, and, you know, like everybody has their own style and, and some people did not others. But, you know, if anybody that is listening to this podcast would like to get in touch with me, um, you know, through my website, we can give you the information uh, soon. Um, then I, I could, I'll send you uh, an article that I wrote up on, on the importance of breath. And it actually gives a step-by-step process on how to do some of these breathing exercises that will just bring you into complete peace. You know, the Cobra breath, they say that uh, if you do that breath 14 times, uh, it's the equivalent of one year, or I'm sorry, it's the equivalent of one lifetime of spiritual growth. You know, so they, they say that we, you know, we live thousands or millions of lifetimes. So thinking about that, if you do that one, if you do that 14 times, which maybe takes, you know, two or three minutes in the morning, um, you're, you're advancing your spiritual and energetic growth by an entire lifetime. You know, the, the information that's available today is just amazing to, to all of us that, that we have this available to us. And it's just, I highly recommend someone to try this and to work with this because these methods are very, very powerful and they've been around for, you know, well, you know, the, the shamans believe these methods that, that I use and, and that I'm talking about are uh, over 100,000 years old, um, you know, and they came from my teacher, spent 25 years in Peru living with the shamans learning 
Uh, but you know, those shamans say that these techniques go all the way back to the to the east when uh, humans migrated, you know, over to Bering Straits through the Americas and down into Peru and and that area. That which is why they're chakra based because they do come from Tibet and from China and those parts of the world. I've heard that it, it's uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of importance to breathing. Yeah, just imagine living life without oxygen after four seconds, um, or not four seconds. Yeah, four seconds. The brain. Anyhow, I digress. So, Steve, how can people get a hold of you if uh, uh, to reach out if they're interested in this stuff and all the stuff that you do? Um, how can they get gain contact with you? Well. Um, there's a couple ways to get in touch with me. Uh, first off, they can go to my website and learn a little bit more about me and, and what I do and such. You know, I, I do um, soul retrievals, death rites, uh, illuminations, uh, dream work, ancestor work. We do all different types of work. We have a variety uh, of um, uh, different methods. But my website is graywolfhealing.com. And that would be gray. The gray is G-R-E-Y-W-O-L-F-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. Because uh, there is another gray wolf healing with the G-R-A-Y, which, who is in Mexico. And these the websites are quite often mixed up. And so when someone comes to me and says, I'm in Mexico, I want a session. I'm like, oh, okay, try this website. <laughs> but so there's... <laughs> I thought they were like, hey, I want to see you in Mexico and you're not here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they start speaking to me in Spanish and I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> but um, yeah, so from my website, there's a contact us page and uh, my email is steve, S-T-E-V-E, at graywolfhealing.com. I can be reached that way. Or my uh, landline, I actually do have a landline. I'm one of the few that do. I have a cell phone also. But my landline is 708-485-4764. That's 708-485-4764. And you could call and leave a message on that that number, and I would get back to you, uh, you know, get back to you shortly on that. So if anybody has any questions on any of this or if you'd like to uh, get a copy of my um, my article with the breath, the, the outstanding breathing techniques, um, you know, you could go to Steve at graywolfhealing.com and uh, and just do a, a con- either email that or contact us from my website, and I'll get you that article right out. Love it, and uh, this is all in the show notes, also, guys. So you'll be able to have that content. But uh, uh, Steve, this was fun as always. Uh, I know we 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 can talk for hours. I know I'll have you on many more times because it's always a joy to have you. Uh, to always in uh, just engaging conversation with you. Oh yeah, it's always fun, Vic. It, that definitely, we always have some we have some fun times, huh? boggling (laughs) boggling our minds on what could be huh (laughs) yeah i love it man i love it well this was fun i I appreciate you having uh, having you on and uh we'll definitely have you on again soon all righty great thank you very much Vic. i really enjoyed i really enjoyed our discussion tonight and i hope i hope that the folks listening to this podcast will will get something out of it and find the joy in their lives amen to that Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. 
To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.